This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. The Minutia Men Celebrity Interview is up next, but first... Take a listen to this other fine Opie show. I'm Howard Sudbury. I'm Steve Baskerville. And on the next Back to You, the very special guest, Dwayne Kennedy, stand-up comedian, Emmy Award winner. You yeah. renamed the show, didn't you? Yeah, the Ramble Brothers. Love me. <laughs> Back to You with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. Back to You, an Opie show, only on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved a better place. Radiomisfits.com. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Minutia Men Celebrity Interview with Rick Kempfer and Dave Stern. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Minutia Men Celebrity Interview with Rick and Dave. Joining us right now on the phone, former Cy Young winner, Chicago White Sox great, and also, I believe, an Indian, an Angel, a Yankee. But for a us, musician. for us, he's he'll always be a Chicago White Sox player. Black Jack McDowell. How are you today, Jack? Hey, doing well. What's going on, guys? Hey, thanks really a lot for appreciate your time. Uh, Jack, you had a hell of a career, let's be honest. 1993 AL Cy Young Award winner. Over 125 career wins, 3.85 ERA. But let's face it, your biggest accomplishment was flipping off New York Yankee fans. So as far as I'm concerned, that's first ballot Hall of Fame. Uh, Was that just a moment of rage? That is is definitely the memorable moment, guys. Did you, you know, I'm sure, I mean, I flip off people four or five times a day on the, you know, on the Dan Ryan. Was this just something, (laughs) was this just something uh, that just happened? I'm sure it wasn't premeditated. You did, you know, what, what was going through your mind? Do you remember the incident? Pain is a picture. Well, okay. So here's the deal. (laughs) Second start of the season. I mean, if you can go back, that, that was the first time that the Yankees went to the playoffs in 13 years was that season. And if you could go name our starting pitching, I'd give you a high five. Okay, <laughs> we started out with um, Jimmy Key as our our number one, and I was the number two. One start into the season, Jimmy Key was done for the year. So Buck Showalter came to me and he said, "Listen, I know you're an innings eater guy. You don't care about your personal stats. We're going to have to ride you this year, man. You know, we got a lot of young arms. We're going to be trying to mix guys in." He said, "You're you're going to go out there and say." So that's what I do. I, I go out there and try to throw the whole game every time. So it was one of those years where, you know, you, you maybe you have a tough start. You aren't going to be out of there after four in. You know, you're going to have to stay out there and suck it up and get beat up a little bit, which I did a few times that year. And Taking one for after, the team, right? Yeah, and after, after a couple times in a row of getting booed because I'm staying out there sucking up innings, you know, and then that game was against the team that traded me and they were beating me up too. I was just like, you know what guys, <laughs> you're supposed to be all the, the, the great smart New York fans and you aren't figuring this out yet. So yeah, I was pretty upset. Did you, did you get any death threats? I mean, you were on, I, uh, you were on the front page of the newspapers. Did you get any death threats? I mean, New York Yankee fans, not the most forgiving, obviously. No, you know, there wasn't much at all. And actually the fans, uh, the fans actually, 
treated me a heck of a lot better after that. Once everybody started talking it out and all this, they, they you know, I kind of became a little bit of a folk hero there, so that was good. <laughs> good for you. Were there any good, like, headlines? You know, the, the New York Post? I think or... Jackass was one of them. Oh, really? Side, <laughs> well, and well, and then there's there's the Yankee Flipper. Oh, which, good. Uh, you know, worked its way into a uh, rock and roll song, so what the heck? That, you, know, you can't uh, beat that. You know what? What the hell? You know, I, uh, hey, um, back in the 90s, here in the White Sox, I remember, I don't know if you remember me, um, you probably don't, but I used to see you in the dead of winter with a rubber ball throwing it against a brick wall. Uh, is, that, is that how you were, is that how you were um, practicing during the off season? Yeah, except it wasn't a rubber ball. It was a real baseball. Oh, it was. Okay. I would use I would use one ball every time I would go throw against the wall. I'd use one ball, and by the end of it, it would be done. But you know, you got your you got your throwing. And yeah, I'd, there was an old uh, church that had a huge brick wall, kind of a block and a half from my house. And so yeah, I would go throw against that wall. Yeah, I was, still think it's a, a great pitcher's workout because you're thrown against the wall, and then you got to feel the ground ball on the way back. Oh, good! So for, you're getting your leg working, you're getting all kinds of stuff. So yeah, I would definitely do that all winter. Did anybody? You know, all these guys would have to go to Northwestern to throw, and I'm like, I'm not going to drive 45 minutes to throw a 15 minute bullpen. I'll get my stuff done here. Did <laughs> Did anybody else recognize you? Was I the only one? Who, and, and I don't know if you remember this. You asked me to grab a bat, and I ran like a little baby out of there. Did, did anybody else? <laughs> did anybody else notice you doing it? Yeah, occasionally people would walk by. You know, it was a pretty. It wasn't really a. a very much of a pedestrian walk in that area. It was more people driving by. But the funny thing was, is we lived um, with an alley behind our um, garage and then a an elementary school right behind the fencing, right behind that alley with uh, no cover. And so during the winter, I also, when it was time to throw off the mound, I would drag a portable mound out into that alley and throw into a net and all the grade school kids would watch. So they kind of knew I was there and they would get their 10 minutes to hang out and watch me throw. So that was fun. Well, if I would have, if I would have taken a bat, I would have totally taken you downtown. I'm telling you that right now. (laughs) You know, I think it's great that you practice like little league kids do, you know, throwing up against the wall. That's how we all, all the baseball players in America live in cities like we do. That's the only place we can do it. Yeah. You, you draw a box on the, on the wall with a big, thing of chalk and then there you go yeah so uh, back to your uh, career was there ever a player that you just could not get out or a player that you just knew that you owned you know one way or the other well it's interesting because you know to start to finish your career it's that you usually don't have just like one end or the other but you do go through streaks like i began i began my career and Mark McGuire, I believe, started out 0 for 29 or 0 for 30 against me. Wow! And to a point where he wouldn't he wouldn't um, play when I pitched wow. when he was with Oakland for for a couple couple go arounds there. And then all of a sudden, he comes back and he's a little closer to the plate. He's crouched a little bit, and I go, "Wow, this looks different. This is weird." And then he started hitting me, and then he started hitting me pretty good. So you go look at our career numbers and they're pretty normal numbers. Okay. Okay. You have to realize that that started out over 30. So he kind of beat me up the second half (laughs) of our career. Did you flip him off after (laughs) he, (laughs) after he hit one out on you? In my my mind. (laughs) Um, 
a, a memorable moment of your career. You and Mark Witten had a little kerfuffle. Uh, do you still keep in touch with Mark Witten by any chance? <laughs> Haven't haven't talked to him in a while. No, no, no. I know he's doing um, some great work with the RBI program um, down south, down here. I think I'm trying to think of what area he's in. It might be in Florida. It might be in the Georgia area also. But yeah, I just I hear all the the good work. So we'll we'll cross each other's paths here pretty soon. Well, uh, you know, I thought you totally got screwed in that incident. I don't know for people that don't remember. You didn't even hit him. You just throw it through him near him. He charged the mound. You stayed on the mound like you were supposed to, because if you left the mound, I think you get suspended or whatever. And then he comes in and you both get suspended and you get fined. Right. Isn't that what happened? Yeah. Yeah. That was part of the deal. You know, that's just that's just what happened is, you know, it was that, that time when we had young arms and none of them wanted to take care of the business that needed to be taken care of. So I had to get somebody that day yeah. because Jimmy key had thrown or six days before that we were in Toronto and Jimmy key threw one behind Ozzie Guillen's head and then up and in that knocked Robin Ventura on his back would hit him right in the face. Wow. Then five days later at our place, the day before he drills Robin, Robin protects his face with his wrist and Robin gets hit right in the wrist. Now you're talking, you know, big year when we ended up, you know, being pretty good and we could have lost one of our best players on that. So it was one of those where a message needs to be sent. You can't get away with this. We're, you know, we know what's going on and we're going to do that too. So, you know, it was more of a message. I had nothing against Witten. It was, it was a message. Yeah, sure. So, you know, talking about some of the great years, the 1993, probably the best year uh, with the White Sox. And you were the Cy Young winner that year, went to the playoffs against the Blue Jays. And if I remember correctly, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jack, wasn't that the night that Michael Jordan came out throughout the first pitch was the night that he retired from basketball? Because yeah, it was all all right around that time. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Because it started murmur. The murmur started going around the ballpark. Mm-hmm. We were there that night, mm-hmm. and uh, suddenly the the second biggest story is the game we're watching. Yeah. You know, yeah. but that was that was one of the greatest seasons of uh, White Sox history. I wore a goatee just because of you, my friend. <laughs> you still have yours? Yeah, you still. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. Hey, uh, you've probably taken what thousands of flights you know, airplane uh, trips. Can you remember any scary ones where you're thinking, all right, this is the bottom of the ninth for the old Jackster. Any, any memorable, scary flights? Well, we had one crazy one with the White Sox that uh, we, were, we were coming back from, I believe we're coming back from Seattle, okay? And probably about 35 minutes into the flight, all of a sudden, Boom! You hear this big boom, and you know, and the and the plane starts rattling. Yeah. We look out, and the engine's on fire. <laughs> oh my <'Cause> god! <laughs> I'm not a mechanic, <laughs> but that's I'm not like, good. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's that's one thing. You know, I, I don't know much about aviation, but I'm pretty sure the wings <laughs> on fire. But so here comes the flight attendant. She runs back, and she looks at it, and she sees. And she just closes the window. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to see here. And I'm guys. like, going, wow, did they really, they teach that? And so we're going, okay. So a lot of the guys were asleep. A um, couple of us were awake. And we ended up having to do an emergency landing in, I think, Kansas City. But, yeah, the, yeah, the, the wing's on fire. Those, the fun, a couple funny parts of that is, uh, you know, some guys, some guys were to the point of, Tearing up and crying and freaking out. <laughs> name names. Yeah, yeah, come on. Name, name names. names right here. 
And some guy and some guys were having fun like us. We were like, oh, okay, whatever, you know, what are you going to do? But Pudge was sleeping at the time. And I always sat in the seat right behind him. So I woke him up. I said, hey, Pudge, Pudge, we just, we just lost an engine, dude. The engine just blew out. It was on fire. And, and, and he just waking up, he looks at me and he goes, just one? Yeah. <laughs> he, goes, he goes, okay. And he goes back to sleep. I'm like, oh, now that is veteran leadership. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so last week we had Carmen Fanzone on the show. He's a former Cub, and he's a musician. He was a trumpet player. And he talked about when he was with the Cubs, he would go traveling around the country with his with his trumpet, and he'd, he'd do some gigs at night because well, the Cubs played a lot of day games in those days. You are also that rare combination of musician and ball player. Did you combine the two during the seasons at all? We did sometimes. It was kind. Of, it's kind of tough because, you know, you you didn't being a starting pitcher, you didn't want to do it the night before you pitch. Yeah, you know, right. have to right. stay out late and do all that because then you're setting yourself up for, you know, to to take crap if something bad goes on. So, the shows that we did do, you kind of had to hope that the you know eighty percent, four out of the five days, it would land on. Right, you know that you, that it was okay to do it, so it was kind of hard because you had to set it up way in advance if you wanted anybody to go. But wasn't Scott? So, Rad- yeah, we did a few. We did a few times. Scott Radinsky, did he play with you? Why do I remember that? Was he part of your? He did. He went. His um his band was kind of my backing band for the first time that that uh, we went on tour. So he brought along a, a another guitar player and drummer, and then me. Uh, and Lee Plemmel, who's my college roommate, played bass and sang backup and stuff. And Scott also sang some backup and played the bongos and ran around on stage like the crazy dude he is. Yeah, he's a reliever. <laughs> That's what they do. Um, you, you, your, your band, you guys backed up the Smithereens for a tour, didn't you? Did I read that right? We did. That, that was actually that tour that we that I just described. That was when we, you know, we played a bunch of stuff on our own, and then we opened up a, a couple legs of their tour. And from that kind of formed my new band because Mike Maceros, the bass player for the Smithereens, really, we became good friends and he really loved the music. And then so he became my bass player and played with me for the next seven or eight years. And um, the, the sound man, Mike Hamilton, um, became my guitar player and kind of co-producer on everything. So, yeah, we kind of... That's where the band Stick Figure came from. That's awesome. Now, <clears throat> I've heard your music. I kind of know the genre that you're in. Um, but uh, I'm always curious about musicians. If you're put on a desert island and you can have one album to bring with you other than your own, what is what is like that one album that has has made you into the musician that you are today? Well, you can't really say one album, but I think kind of my favorite. Oh, right, you get three favorite <laughs> REM. My favorite REM yeah. album was Life's Rich Pageant, which if, for most REM fans is not their favorite, but that was my favorite. I just like the sounds on it, like the ideas of the songs and things like that. Um, probably bring the Beatles on there. Yeah. Probably Rubber Soul would be one of them. Not bad. Rick is and, just boning uh, up here. That's his. That's, that's my his, favorite. That's his favorite album. And probably, probably the zombies, man. Oh, cool! Time of the season. What's your name? Who's your daddy? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, you're still playing music, obviously. What, talk, talk to us about what you're what you're doing now. 
Well, not much music these days. I'm uh, busy as heck. I we, uh, am a college head coach right now at Queen's University of Charlotte. They awesome. just started the program last season, um, which we played at the club level, and we we got our first crew in there, and now we're um, in the South Atlantic Conference and NCAA rolling this year. So we're in the thick of it right now. You know, Rick and I both have all of our eligibility. You want us to come and throw the throw the pill around? <laughs> we're fifty five. Is that is that a problem? You think? What's that? We're 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 fifty five years old, uh, but we are available. To yeah, pitch. To, to, yeah. Do you want us to play on the team? I have one good rotator cuff left. It's not my pitching arm. <laughs> that's right. But, yeah, uh, yeah. You just, just need a little bit of eligibility. That's all we need. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> okay, Dave. We're going to take a quick break. Okay, and we'll be right back. This is Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. On this week's Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. Terminated by DirecTV and God. Jenkins and a GPS whoopsie. My brush with monkey Michael Nesmith. And our interview with Field of Dreams actor Dwyer Brown. He was John Kinsella. I know. Yeah, you don't want to miss it because <laughs> anyone who loves that movie is going to want to hear Hungry that. Rick. And unlimited tangents on this week's Minutia Men. Tony Lasano Podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Radiomisfits.com. Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, it's a quick look at the Morgan Arrow Supersport. Is it ugly or sublime? plus special commentary on the automotive publishing industry. I'm Mark Vernon. Join me as I drive solo for a couple episodes for these stories and more on the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. And we're back. Okay, so final question. All the years that you played baseball, who is the most punchable person that you ever met in right. baseball you, you you saw him and you're like just like to punch yeah, the him. bill lambeer of baseball you yes. got you got any of them there well probably it wouldn't be so now that that we aren't competing against each other you know we probably if we ever came across each other it would be normal high but me and nolan ryan weren't big fans of each other yeah really yeah. well we played yeah. So that's good. A Hall of Famer. You, you've chosen wisely. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, right. And Robin might be your tag team guy, too. Yeah, right. Know. That's right. I forgot about that. Well, uh, Jack, thanks very much for being on the show with us. We really appreciate it. This was a, a, a lot of fun. And we wish you the best in your new job. Yeah, cool. Yeah, that'd be and, uh, and thanks for all that you did for us in Chicago, all the great times that you gave us. And the goatee. Right. I did shave the goatee. Uh, you pro- That goatee probably kept me from having sex in the 90s. So you wore it a lot better than I did. I think there may have been a few other reasons. <laughs> but thanks again, Jack. All right, man. Take care. All right. I tell you, he... I, I was excited every fifth day when he was pitching when he was on the White Sox. I would... He was great. I mean, I... Uh, just and what a good guy too. Yeah, I'm, I'm not even a White Sox fan, but I always like Jack McDowell too. He just had that rock and roll edge, exactly. Him, you know, and he wore the goatee a lot better than I did. <laughs> a lot better, and he's still sporting it. Yeah. Well, that's it for this week's edition of the Minutia Men Celebrity Interview. Special thanks to executive producer Tony Lasano with OpiShows.com. Opie is hippo backwards. O p p i h shows.com. Distributed by Ed Silla, Radio Misfits. Great Talk Radio isn't dead, it's just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com.
And we will be back again next week with another edition of the Minutia Men Celebrity Interview. This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. The proceeding was a presentation of OPI Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Opie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? And friends and everyone at Opie Shows want you to make sure to wash your hands. And if you're still one of those people who don't wash their hands after they use the bathroom, please do that now. That's something you should have been doing anyway. I Cover your mouth when you cough. I know. Come on, people. And with that, we have a special message from actress, comedian, and fan favorite Milana Vintrub. I just want to wish the people of Chicago a safe, warm, peaceful stay at home. Please stay healthy. Please help other people stay healthy by staying home. Stay safe, Chicago. Thanks, Milana. Thank you. Guys, seriously, you can save the world by sitting on your ass at home. You cannot afford to miss this opportunity. You won't get another one. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. Stay home. You will be saving the world. If you missed Losano or Los Los Anno and friends, here's what you missed. Happy to be here today, Cheryl Scott, meteorologist. Hi, Fred Winston, Chicago radio guy. I'm Rob Hart in Chicago. How about that weather? This is a good show to do that. Yeah, what the hell, man? It's, uh, <laughs> I Don't th- blame the messenger. I'm not blaming the messenger. <laughs> That's got to be the worst part about being a meteorologist. They blame you for the for, for the sun or the snow or right. whatever. I'm so. like everyone's best friend when it's sunny and 70. <laughs> and like yesterday, I was everyone's worst friend. Yeah. But I know that weather changes so dramatically. We do seven-day forecasts. And right. I go, well, seven days, it sometimes changes seven times in those seven days. <laughs> <laughs> but science is getting more and more accurate. Oh, it does. So, has the Earth been knocked off its axis? I I, I keep hearing stuff uh, about that uh, from the conspiracy idiots at 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and that's exactly <laughs> what we'll go with. <laughs> Radio Misfits. Get more Lozano and Friends. Lozano. Now on Lozano.com. Good luck trying to spell Lozano or whatever the... Buckets called.